0: Welcome to the FaZoro Podcast, no telling what you might find. Listen in on talks and discussions ranging from dream analysis to spiritual or psychological topics to some other things. Soak in the good vibes and thanks for joining us. You taught me how to speak, showed me what to eat, yeah, you gave me lots of friends. You showed me fire burns You taught me tables turn Now I'm turning on the
1: heat My ally is the force And the powerful ally it is
0: Life creates it Makes it grow
2: Its energy surrounds us And binds us Luminous beings are we, not this crude matter. You must feel the force around you.
0: Here, between you, me, the tree, the rock, everywhere. Yes, even between the land and the ship. Hi, guys, welcome to the Fazoro podcast. I've been really busy with college studies. As a result, it's been so long since I published an episode that I feel really out of practice. I'm extremely excited to lay down another episode. I really love doing this. It's hard work, but it's a lot of fun. So, this podcast is kind of about Carl Jung, and we'll drift into other topics like Star Wars. On December 17th, 2017, my oldest continuous friend Ryan Lenning popped in unexpectedly from out of town, like Kramer from Seinfeld. This happened while I was in the middle of doing laundry and making salsa. You might remember I interviewed his mother Vicki Mead in an earlier episode. Ryan is a lawyer, and he's the right amount of an intellectual, so that I find him challenging and stimulating without being tedious. He's really the perfect person to talk with about one of my favorite historical figures. We share some interests and attitudes, and our conversations are often illuminating, so I had it in mind for us to read up on Swiss psychologist Carl Jung and discuss him together as the material for an episode. Because of the spontaneous way the discussion unfolded, and with him just showing up yesterday, we didn't have any structure for an interview. To make it even less structured, my wife Sun Ray joined us without realizing at all that we were recording an episode, and I enjoyed and appreciated a lot of what she offered by audio-bombing the discussion. It was a happy accident. The resulting conversation goes off-topic a lot and is loose and painterly, but after listening to the recording, I kind of liked it anyway. We didn't dig into nearly as much material as I would have liked, and I may revisit Jung again as a result in another episode. By the way, some of the talk involved individuals and family members who you won't know. I'll only mention that Jason, Eric, and Jordan are Ryan's brothers. Otherwise, don't worry about names too much. I'm fully aware that some people might be bored or confused by the talk involving Star Wars, and I apologize for that. Maybe you can skip through some of those parts if we lose you, but they are just related enough to the wider discussion that I didn't want to toss it out. I insert a bit of Maladoma Somé's words taken from the Shrinkwrap radio podcast with Dr. David Van Nuys. Maladoma is a wise Dagara tribe shaman from Burkina Faso who has also received an extensive Western education, and I feel like in a lot of ways he's so similar to Jung that he and Jung might be considered heterocultural counterparts of one another. I highly recommend you listen to episode 444, of the Shrink Wrap Radio Podcast with Dr. Dave Van Nuys, available wherever quality podcasts may be found in order to hear all about malodomisome. That podcast episode is an excellent complement to some of the themes discussed in today's Phasoro episode. All right, so what do you think about uh, uh, Young's Journal?
2: Yeah, I was really, um, I was really taken with it. You know, I heard so much about that book as a kid because my family... My dad, in particular, was really into that book. Oh. And Joseph Campbell, but very into Carl Jung. And, he, and basically, over the course of about five years, read everything he'd ever written and um, got deep into it. And he always said Memories, Dreams, and Reflections is a great starting point okay. for looking at that work. Yeah,
0: I agree with him.
2: So Jung sort of loomed quite large in our in our youth, and our family. Mm. And so I'd never read it, and then Fazy was reading it, And Jason has read it recently. And Eric and Jordan have both read it. And so I I read it, I guess, earlier this year. Mm -hmm. And I listened to it as an audio tape, um, which was very good. Mm -hmm. And then I read the last sort of section of it, or or maybe beginning section, I I can't recall. But I was really taken with it. And um, the thing that I was most taken with, I think... Were his talks about the answer to Job, the book that he wrote, mm-hmm. and his conception of the afterlife, oh, which yeah, I thought was fascinating. Oh, totally fascinating. fascinating. And I thought a, a really interesting way to talk about it because you know, yeah, in the in the West and in Christianity in particular, Christianity is a religion that's about the division between the afterlife and the present. Mm-hmm. So, especially in the South and in the Southern Baptist tradition, there's a strong emphasis on this this gap, this chasm mm-hmm. between the life you live on Earth and the afterlife. And I've never been particularly convinced by any of that stuff, <laughs> and I've always really strongly resisted it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And and, just, and The his, way they present it. Yeah, it's, it's like horrible. <laughs> but, but even aesthetically I I found it really unconvincing because it sounds like it sounds like a, a being at an amusement park forever.
1: Uh, yeah. And I was like, oh god, that's oh, a really horrible. good description. Well, <laughs> and, you know, it reminds me that
0: that I love I love what you just said. That, yeah, that's so yeah, interesting and I farm. think you're There's exactly a... right on. <laughs> Didn't I say to you the other day and it was in the middle of nowhere. I was like grinding my coffee like just now. And I said to Sunray I think I was listening to Pink Floyd that day. That's probably why uh, I said, "You know, I bet there'd be way better music in hell." Yeah,
2: yeah. And absolutely. she said, "What
0: are you talking about?" And I'm like,
2: "And better food too." It's just like it seems like nothing <laughs> and, would be sexy or fun. Yeah, and all the cigarettes you could smoke. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Why yeah. would
0: you ever want to go to the that the conception of heaven that comes to mind whenever you yeah you know, whenever you use the word heaven?
2: There's a great David Byrne song about that is where in hell is where they have barbecue and beer that's right yeah. yeah and they don't
0: have it in heaven and that's and pink floyd is playing
2: right instead of whoever mulleted person you oh. think would be playing in heaven so so young's conception of what the afterlife is uh-huh. where he sees it as in a relationship with the present with the world the embodied world and he's he's cages it right he couches it he's like look these are just impressions these are I'm not saying this is true right but this is when people ask me this a lot so this is what I tell them but he's very specific about what his impressions are
0: oh yeah because his imaginal world is Ah, brilliant and it's very refined yeah Yeah.
2: and he said you know he imagines that the afterlife is a fresh yeah is a place of of it's not a three-dimensional place it's a four-dimensional place where maybe time maybe. doesn't exist. Uh-huh. So mm-hmm. but he says because of that, it needs the world. Yeah. And his impression is that this yes. is where things can happen. Nothing can happen oh, in that world. That's the
0: exactly what Maladoma Somme says. He says that this is the plane of action.
2: The plane of action. This is where everything
0: take everything occurs and takes place. And he said, This is why this plane is what the next world is so
2: interested in. Well, that's exactly what Jung says. He says um, in his dreams, he imagines he has visitations. You know who Maladim is? No. Oh, okay, he's a... A, he's a Baha'i no, he, philosopher. No, <laughs> <laughs> no he's,
0: uh, he's a West African, like... Am I saying this right? He's a shaman.
1: Yeah. The of people believe that this world is a, 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 a place of, a, in construction. We have to build uh, the, and participate in the beauty of... Of this planet, and so that's why it is so exciting for uh, entities that are in the realm of the ancestors to want to be here because this is where the action is. Uh, There's a lot to do. Um,
0: But he's uh, he's
2: he's great. You should listen to him. I will. I so that that yeah
1: yeah yeah that's yeah that
2: totally struck me as. Okay that, that makes that, that makes works. a kind of sense <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah Sunray
0: do you remember that dream I always refer to this dream ever she every time ever since she had this dream it blew me away and I repeat it over and over again she forgets it but I thought it was amazing He dreamed about do you remember this now about the the worm that's crawling on the edge of the
1: yeah, table. Because- the, like, in the dream, the worm is supposed to be only two-dimensional. Like, he can only see the surface. It's really a caterpillar. And I mean, then we have three, you know, three dimensions. Three dimensions,
0: so we can see it.
1: So then there's, that always make me think about, yeah, what about four, what about five? You know, when it's, when it's just totally beyond our imagination, even. That makes sense, because that's how I feel. So, but yeah, it's going to tone the
0: dream from beginning to end. If you can remember it, otherwise I remember it.
1: All right, you go ahead. Then. Do you remember it? <laughs> I don't know. So, is, is that a is, dream or is that, that, that was a dream, dream?
0: you had? You, she woke up one day and told me that she dreamed she was in her school can in I, China. Like real yeah, coffee. sure.
1: Yeah, I have I like in have elementary have school, today, and
0: um, the teacher was asking about the afterlife, and Sun Ray said, "You know, it's all in the same. It's all in the same space." She's just like talking to the class. She said, it's all here. It's not a place you're going to go to. It's not like something you're waiting for it to happen. It's that you can't see that dimension. But that dimension can see this one. Yeah. And she said, for example, and in this dream, she points to this caterpillar that's crawling along the rim of... It's a
1: bug or something.
0: You, you told me it was a worm. And when I asked her, <laughs> I said, did it have legs and stuff? Chinese people think of everything as a, as a worm, right? <laughs> but it was a caterpillar. <laughs> <laughs>
1: And uh,
0: yeah, uh, seriously, like she doesn't know how many legs a spider has. <laughs> I
1: still don't.
0: Yeah, and I told I, I told care. my African friend Henok about that because I thought it was so funny, and he said, "How many legs do they have?" <laughs> <laughs> and I realized really? that, like, knowing how many how legs a spider has, is like an American thing. Do you know how many legs a spider has? Six. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> They have five legs. You <laughs> an odd number of legs. They <laughs> have just
2: they have just the one really long
0: leg. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, she uh, she tells them like it's like this worm, and it actually can't. It's not aware of us really, and all it can know is that it goes forward. Mm. So for it. As far as it knows, like the universe is just this straight line. Mm. And that's all that it's aware of. But we see the straight line, and we see all of this dimensionality, and we see the space around this worm. Yeah. And she said, it's like that for the other dimensional beings. She's saying this in the dream. And this is not – my wife, she is not a very – She's very philosophy capable, but she's not super interested in having these metaphysical discussions. This is the dream that she had, you know what I mean? This yeah. is the dream she had. I thought that was amazing, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And that also, and that's when I told her, I said, you need to read Memories, Dreams, and Reflections because it's very similar to how Jung describes his near-death experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He said he felt like the world was a paper mirage. Like, you read it. I mean, yeah. he talks about it. He felt like it was a box a box world like you're living in a happy meal where everything yeah. is a facade
2: yeah so i i um so that really struck me and i saw that very connected to his idea about the book of job mm, because yeah. that little book which i did haven't haven't reread i read it once oh, when i was in college yeah and i read about it like on a wikipedia entry recently and then I, he talks a lot about it in, in memories dreams and Reflections that book is essentially the same dynamic yeah that god needs job to to illuminate something for him yeah that you can be omniscient but have blind spots because precisely because you're omniscient mm-hmm. <laughs> and what job was able to provide to god was um, this Th- this quality of embodiedness That yeah. that my embodiedness Is a plane of Experience that you Cannot understand Unless you two are embodied
0: Yeah that is true he, he made many very important points And that was one of them And he talks about how like The whole Christ idea The whole Christ thing That whole phenomenon was uh, Was a need that God Had to experience Mortality Yeah yeah. To experience vulnerability. Yeah. To experience uh indignity so that he would retreat from his peak of being sort of removed in his treatment of men. Yeah. Because he talks about how like he abused Job. Like Job did nothing wrong. Right. But um yeah, you know, I like in Jung's personal speculations, he sort of is able to disown them and say, you know, this is this is what it seems like to me, which a lot of people don't do. They just say this is how it is or this is what I believe. You know, I think about how like Jung had these experiences. He feels like he used to own this old car, right? these exp- I forget the details, but like, where he kind of felt like maybe he'd been alive before, like these reincarnation type of experiences. Well,
2: the way he would describe it in the book is like he felt like there were two versions of himself existing within yeah. him. There was the the young the version that's young, and then the version that he that he imagined as being this old wise man.
0: Yeah, and and he saw a car that he felt like was his car, and this was when he was a child, mm. right? So he had some very strange uh, he had a very strange internal life. Yeah, from the, from the get go. But the interesting thing is, is this adult analysis of that. Some people might have discounted it as. Childhood folly. Well, or they would have said, "Oh, I'm I'm reincarnated." Well, all the all
2: the stuff early in the book, I heard, I, I remember this, and I was like, "Man, that is some weird stuff." All the stuff he talks about, like the the rock and how he would make a little man, and the rock belonged to the little man, and the little man wanted the rock near him, and he would hide these things in his house, yeah, and I thought, that's. That's very that's a very potentially strange. crazy person, <laughs> yeah, <I know. laughs> but you're absolutely yeah, right, that. but his his honesty and his willingness to sort of penetrate that stuff,
0: yeah, and remember it faithfully too, because, yeah, and then what he what he what he decides about it as an adult, I thought was fascinating. he talks about other experiences because he was always interested in the occult because of his early childhood experiences, and he had some disillusioning experiences where he'd run into frauds like his cousin, and yeah. different things would happen. He said, you know, there's all of these folklore and mythology about uh, hauntings and poltergeists and all of these kinds of things. And he said, in my experience, he said, it's, this, it's the individual that's haunted. Yeah. Not the place. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he said, you can be very sensitive to history like I am and walk through a certain part of Europe. And because you're haunted by the inhumanity of things that have taken place, you might see ghosts. And right. And whether you want to say that that's something that's happening in the world or it's something that's happening inside of you, it's still it's happening. A, it's a, it's a <laughs> meaning-toned experience that you're that you're in the midst of. Yeah, which I think is why. I mean, I don't know if you have ever had, um, you know, unexplainable experiences or, you know, psychological experiences that were uncanny and didn't make sense. But you know, since I was little, I always I always had strange experiences. Oh yeah.
2: Yeah. I they they're not exactly concrete. They're just more like impressions that there's that there's stuff happening that yeah. is not totally explicable. I,
0: I remember when you and I were young teenagers, you told me about somebody that your family was in contact with that did oh some yeah kind of tarot readings or something. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm at that medium, ta- at that time I was in that way, much more scientific-minded than you were. And I was like, that sounds like a bunch of bull, right? But you were, like, assuring me that it seemed like the predictions
2: she was making were, were bona Well, this was a, a, a medium that we knew that would say stuff. and They weren't predictions. They were more like adding color to some experience you were having. Um, yeah. But, you know, my belief about this stuff is, like, I... It doesn't matter to me whether they're literally true. That That's not an interesting question to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I have had experiences where they're legitimate experience. I feel like they're real experiences and they, they're meaningful to me. Mm-hmm. Whether they're, they're supernatural phenomenon or whether they're hallucinations or whether they're
0: yeah.
2: me imagining things, it's just not – that's not interesting. That's not an interesting question because – I think any... Yeah,
1: the important thing is the experience there. Yeah, the important yeah, thing
2: yeah. is the experience and the... Mm-hmm. And this is why, like,
0: the... the That's that, what, uh, there. you know, um, that Tarantino movie, a character says that, the Samuel Jackson character says something like that, where he's arguing with John Travolta about some miracle.
2: Yeah. Hopeful. And
0: John Travolta's like, you can't sit there and say that this is... That, that that was actually a miracle and that if it was that this proved that God exists or anything else and Samuel Jackson said something very similar to what you did which is said, you're missing the point it doesn't matter yeah. whether whether it was a miracle or not
2: oh, Man, I've just been sitting here thinking About what? About the miracle we witnessed
1: the miracle you witnessed I witnessed the freak occurrence
2: What is a miracle,
0: Vincent? Act of God And what's an act of God?
1: When um, God makes the impossible possible, but this morning I don't think it qualifies. Hey Vincent,
2: don't you see that shit don't matter? You're judging this the wrong way. I mean, it could be God stopped the bullets, or
0: he changed Coke to Pepsi, he found my car keys. You don't judge like this based on merit. Now whether or not what we experienced was an according to Hoyle miracle is
2: insignificant. But what is significant? As I felt the touch of God, God got involved. But why? Well, that's what's with me. I don't know why, but I can't go back to sleep. Well, it's like if you ask somebody, it's sort of like I was having a conversation with a buddy of mine about this. <laughs> it's like the question, "Is there a God or not?" It's like it's like asking somebody, "Tell me about that book you just read." And they said, "Well, it's like it's about five inches this way and about." Ten inches this way, and it's three hundred pages, and the paper is uh, of a cardstock that's manufactured in China, and it's you know it's got this light color and the typeface, and It's like okay, you're 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 missing the point of what I'm asking. It's a asking. meaningless answer. Yeah, it's just the answer is meaningless.
0: I see, I think, I think you're right. I think, But for, for my money, it's an interesting question. It may be the most interesting question. In fact, Jung says that it is the most interesting well, question. Well, yeah, of course.
2: Heard. It's like it's the only question. But it's
0: not an answer that you can meaningfully convey to anybody. It's no. something that you have to work out yourself. And what you come away with doesn't matter uh, objectively. It only matters subjectively. So if you're an atheist, but the kind of atheist you are is beautiful and compelling and does good things for you, that's that's who you should be. You
2: know? yeah, yeah, yeah. And I um I just the debates you see with people who are who debate this question, it's like
0: they're trying to get that question into the outside world, which is not where it belongs.
2: Right. It's just it's so uninteresting and like ham handed and weird. And
1: also I think everybody has a mysterious side. Jenny's mom her her father just passed Jenny's grandfather just passed like about two weeks ago, mm. and she was devastated, and I told her, I said, I said well, you know, that she said, that I feel like, oh, it's, it's meaningless, this life now is meaningless, I said, that, there you go, and then now you started thinking, yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, meaningless, right. like, because uh, she never thinks that way, and, and she said, is that like, like, now my life is not, Oh, not complete. Yeah, I like what you did there. Like, I, said, you know. I said, you should think your your life now is complete because you've never lost anything, and now you did. Now you know mm-hmm. what that feels yeah, like. Yeah, and... Um, isn't that great? Yeah. And, and she's like, oh, then how, how do I feel that way? And I feel like uh, there's this... this I feel this void in my heart that nobody else can feel. It. I said, mm-hmm. well, he's still there. And it depends on, like, if I try to... You know, feel the way you feel. I'm, like, destroyed. Maybe I was destroyed 17 yeah. years ago when my father passed away, too, mm. like, after I lost my mother. I said, but you have to feel like you're more complete because you have somebody else look looking after you and blessing you from another dimension. Mm. However, like, because she doesn't believe in God. I said, whatever you feel. She said, "She said, come on. She said, that is so not real. Was it like, okay, well... Let's stop here then. And I cannot help you with your grief. Mm. And if you want to talk about it, this is like, really, like, why would you feel this way? Mm. Because you really loved him and he loved you. Mm. But I said, think about this. Your father passed away. That love never existed? Yeah. She said, of course it existed. I said, well, then just think about it then. And, and I feel it. Different people have different yeah. experience, but they all have their own... Yeah. Oh.
2: And the, the Zen tradition is really great for that because it doesn't fetishize intellectualization at all. Or right. texts. Right. It's very much about the experiential qualities of it. Mm-hmm. So, there are great stories among the old patriarchs of Zen masters who were like the, the janitors at the monastery. Okay. The guy who that the fifth patriarch saw as enlightened wasn't a scholar. Right. Yeah, yeah he was he's, like...
1: He was like, yes, he was like a, a farm boy. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and he has some old mother that he had to take care of. It. Uh, so, yeah, it's... it's it's. When I think about that, like, that's connected to the nothing matters, nothing. Like, yeah. It's really, like, if, if you... That's the point. Like, the, the real patriarch... Never had any education, but right. he gets it.
2: He knew it, yeah.
1: He, yes. And the other person is more like...
0: Education would have gotten in his way. Right, mm-hmm. absolutely.
1: And yeah. and that's the people that he's talking about. Like, yeah, my, I have friends now, like, right, you know, reciting uh, the diamond suture, like, a hundred times a day. Yeah. Like, I really want to tell her don't do that, but no, it's not my position to tell her Yeah. That. But that's her way. It's better than nothing, maybe. Yeah.
0: You know? yeah, yeah, yeah. And the thing is, it's like actually, but again, do you get it? Like, intellectual yeah. attainment, even with regard to religion, is a is I think a great adornment. Um, the problem is, is that there is it carries with it this really profound ability to blind people in ways that they themselves can't perceive. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so, therefore, the problem is, is that if you just come away with saying that, like. Like I always look to the, the twelve apostles and Mary Magdalene as mm. they were the dregs of society as far as the Jewish community was concerned. Yeah. Uh, yeah. None of them were none of them were educated, none of them were pious or rich and, or and none of yeah. them were very religious. Um you know, but they became the elite. They became the elect, like the they became the chosen people, you know, um, of Christ. Yeah, and, that's where But but the thing is it's like the edge at that time because of the mores of society maybe I don't know but at the time you know I think that the the people that were pious that were educated even were moral upright people I don't think that they were susceptible to recognizing
2: Christ yeah. so the that is the that's the thing about Christianity that I find so appealing is how radical it is yeah and if you read the old, you know the new testament and the the stuff that Jesus says in it It is and know something about like the first century and the world that he lived in, Mm
1: -hmm.
2: how radical his message was and how Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. how like really like you have to change your life right now. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You can't put it off. You can't go halfway. You have to you have to go all All in right now because God is God is here. And the followers—that's John the Baptist. But that's but that's Jesus too. Is is mm, maybe is the yeah. the early followers? I mean, is a radical message. All that that hostility to wealth. Yeah, the followers. But Jesus himself,
0: to me, seemed like he was a, an opposite complement to mm. ba- John the Baptist message. In this sense, you know, I always point out like, and this is an important thing to take away. I think if you're a Christian, especially, is that Jesus never talked about religion in plain terms with people. What he did was he talked about the principles underneath it and more importantly he represented those principles with radical conduct. Yeah. Okay? So for example, we talk about him like standing in front of the uh the stoners, right? He what he said, what he actually said to that mob, I mean what would you say, what would you say to diffuse and let's call it what it is, a lynch mob. I mean, what, what kind of a speech could you give uh, to basically disperse a lynch mob? Right? It's unthinkable. Like if, I think you just if it was a hundred years ago, no,
1: right, it
0: was a hundred years ago, and you encounter some people, they're
2: going to lynch a black guy. Thought, were you recording this? Yeah. Okay. okay. Sorry. Yeah, that's okay. Are um, you? Are, we, uh-huh. Well, there, but, I'm I mean, going to redact anything that's not relevant. There, there's but, um, there are stories of the civil rights movement about people diffusing lynch mobs.
0: Yeah, and how do you do that? It's it's hard to do, but what Jesus did, he diffused a lynch mob and he changed the culture permanently, but what he said was perfect because it was like unassailable. It wasn't long, it wasn't a speech. Yeah. It was perfectly in intellect. it was perfectly intelligent, but it wasn't a rational discussion. Right. It was just very very simple. Um, and Rather than what he could have done, you know, if he wanted to go into politics or if he wanted to become a rabbi, he could have given a lot of talks on, I don't know, how you treat women or any number of things. And however good those talks would have been, uh, and that was more John the Baptist's territory—was rebuking people. Jesus was more about standing with people mm. and standing for mm-hmm. things. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and when people tried to bring him into discussions. And tried to get dogmatic with him. He had this quality that I admire, and I, I seek for in vain to try to get for myself. Where he, he just stopped, couldn't get drug, drug in. Shaking that table. Sorry, he That's couldn't normal. get drug in. I mean, you know, they tried to. Uh, they there were some usurpers that tried to like get him talking bad about Rome. You know, they said, uh, well, "What do you think about? You know, Rome shouldn't be collecting taxes from the Jews because they're not our bona fide, you know, leaders or whatever." And he just said, "You know, give give to the Romans what's theirs, and you give to God what, what's His." Yeah. Mm-hmm. So just completely like uh, the kung fu principle of just this frictionless interaction. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Of getting to the core of what is eating society, and skipping all of the BS along the way. Yeah. You know. Now, John the Baptist was calling people to account, and I think that that was necessary. And it's interesting that there's a corollary in the things that the Bob did and said and how they contrasted with what Bahá'u'lláh did and said, yeah. in fact, they were contradictory in some ways, yeah. you know? But uh, anyway,
1: like, change of something, not, not, yeah, yeah. not really change of something. What, what do you feel about, like, in you know, the Star Wars, what do you feel about that girl? Like, who are her parents? Because like, I oh, right. would, I we were talking about that a little bit, but I am hoping they will not change what, because... Uh, you know what's his name he said he did you see your parents I saw them who are they like they are nothing yeah but I hope that they will never change I
2: that. I think that, that that that's true that her parents were yes. no one yes yeah. and I think that it's critical that her parents be no
1: one exactly yeah. that's I really hope they're not going to change that because yeah. that remind me a lot about the the fifth picture coming from mm. like he has no education yeah I mean, he has no background yeah and also it's Mm-hmm. It's like in line with what I was talking to you about the, the newest quantum physics science. Like really like you're, you when you divide things down there's really nothing.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: and something coming out of nothing. I, I want they keep the they want them to keep the girl the you know, where you know, her it, lead. I, Not I, like anything yeah. from a Jedi or I
2: think that's a that was a big part of the sort of the spiritual aspect of that film was that yes. this that this energy is that doesn't uh-huh. belong to anybody.
1: Right, right. It's not like you've come from a Jedi family, of course right. like you have the privilege of uh, Right.
2: You know, it's I think it's a real issue in the way Lucas set up how the force works. Is mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's interesting the way it was set up and I think it, it plays well across all of the saga movies is that there's this there's this energy Mm-hmm. That has light aspects and dark aspects, mm-hmm. and there's a the balance. And, and, they're, the, and they keep talking about the balance, but no one is willing to embody the balance.
1: Well, you can't.
2: Well, you, maybe it's you constantly can't.
1: constantly
2: shifting back and forth. Exactly. And what you see in the in four, five, and six, you're introduced to these concepts. Mm-hmm. And Luke is not a not really a Jedi. I mean, he is, but he wasn't. What you see in 4, 5, and 6 is... is we as viewers growing up watching, was like, okay, that's a Jedi. What you see in the prequel movies, for all mm-hmm. their flaws, is what the Jedi looked like when there were a lot of them, when their institutions were very powerful. Mm-hmm. And you see this institutionalized mm-hmm. version of it where that has a very rigid path for advancement, mm-hmm. very strong institution, a lot of support. But what you get from them... From all of the people mm-hmm. who were indoctrinated in that institution, like Yoda and Obi-Wan Kenobi, who you see in 4, 5, and 6, mm-hmm. is this terror of the dark side. Mm-hmm. They are terrified of the dark side. Oh, that's side. interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and their terror... Yep. Is the thing that makes them blind to its emergence. Exactly.
1: If the girl has grown up like that, well, it, can you imagine? Like and when she had no she's fear of facing. It. Well, yeah. The supreme leader. Yeah,
2: and and even and Luke had no terror of it. Mm-hmm. Luke was the only. Yeah, you're person right. That's, that's really interesting. Yes. Was the only yeah. person in the whole galaxy that was it. who thought Darth Vader was worth saving. And. Because the Jedi were like No man, he's yeah. like He's full on dark side yeah. and, and Yoda kept yeah. saying If you take one step towards it It will consume you forever Once you start down the dark path
1: Forever
2: will it dominate your destiny So all the institutional Jedi Their whole practice Was about not Not being willing to take that step hmm and by not, it's the same thing with God not being willing to embody Himself in a human form because, you know, he, you have to be willing to, to cross uh-huh. into it. It's like your comment to um, Jenny, you know, your life is complete because you've suffered. Your life was incomplete because you yeah. had not experienced suffering. Uh-huh. So the Jedi's belief that their that the dark side was to be avoided at all costs. And was a Which
1: influenced the Luke too, to some degree, right? Yeah, and like he's like... He almost, he wanted, you know, the... Well, there's,
2: no. there's great like, oh. stuff in Return of the Jedi where he it's not clear wh- which side of the force this guy's actually on. Uh. You know, he, he shows up and he's all in black. He chokes the Gamorrean guard with a force choke. Which Didn't is you say great. that was a bad movie? It is a bad movie, but these are <laughs> okay. you can say interesting things about bad movies. Right, right. right. <laughs> um, yeah,
1: they're interesting points. <laughs> and he force
2: chokes that Gamorrean guard, and you know when I he need to see the last, which is a a, movies, a yeah. dark Jedi move. Yeah, we need to see one through, or yeah. uh, three, three, four, through six. So movies. when I was thinking about this movie and like what Luke would emerge as, I thought what they were doing is they're working towards some way to synthesize the light and the dark, and I, I always thought that Luke like was that synthesis that. He's not a guy who is institutionalized by mm-hmm. the Jedi. Yeah, he, he, he didn't was
1: become not, a Jedi until he was like a yeah, adult, like was, nobody think he was trainable.
2: Right, and no, and he wasn't terrified of the dark side. Mm-hmm. He wasn't scared to go to Darth Vader and say, "I can pull you out of this." And um, Ray is the same. Is the same cut from mm-hmm. the same cloth. Like mm-hmm. she, she is willing to go deep into the dark side, but yeah, she, but can mm-hmm. sort of embody it in a way that doesn't that doesn't pull her in mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. so yeah and I think that there's a lot of like sort of stuff around the Star Wars movies that talks about like the Jedi's oh, it's very, downfall yeah. is their inability to look at the dark the side the moment
1: yeah. that you know how uh, how they perceive the, you know the, the real you know that really happened there is a moment that Luke wanted to kill his disciple what's, what's his name the young guy, Kylo Ren. Yeah, And for him, you know, from his describe, from his description, you see the part that Luke with those dark eyes and he's like almost like evil. He's trying to kill him, right? And then, but but in real life, that moment objectively is like Luke had a, he thought about that, and and but he got caught in that moment. Yeah. By the young guy, it just reminded me a lot of the relationship of. You know, parents and children. Yeah. And oh my goodness! Yeah, like it's supposed to. You yeah. have in in the long run, you have the best for them, but there are moments. Yeah. You know, but at that moment, if they see you, yeah. Oh gosh, it's gonna scar them for the yeah. rest of life. That's how you,
0: you know. How and, kind of, it, it has a nice symmetry to it too. Like um, the original trilogy was this very universally under, understood quest for it, your heritage oh. right in all dimensions of what that means you yeah know? in a the, in the freezer um, and and like, this most yeah. recent movie is then the reverse of that question which is uh discriminating what will become I'll of your progeny of I'm sure right mm-hmm. so. and and I don't know
1: what to do honey
0: with Luke he's looking his progeny are is are these two right Jedi back. Kylo Ren what? and Rey yeah side. And their path, and how you, how Luke relates to that. I was curious about. Um, by the way, just thinking about uh, what was it, uh, Jung's book about Job. What was it called again?
2: Uh, Answer to Job. Answer to
0: Job. Because I actually finally read, got around to reading that, and that was that was really. Interesting.
2: It's a it's the most mind bending thing I think I've ever read.
0: Yeah, I was shocked by it. Yeah, I was
2: shocked by it. It's like less than a hundred pages long.
0: Yeah, and uh, it troubled me. I was so shocked by it. Yeah. Um, one thing I think about is like he, you know, it was daring for him at the time. I think to he didn't throw Yahweh out. He just said, "Well, if Yahweh, if Yahweh." If Yahweh were real, what are his flaws? Why is he behaving this way? Yeah. And that is a really interesting thing to do. Whereas yeah. the easier thing to do is it's all bull. Yeah. Or it's all absolutely correct and it's good. It's and all it, and good.
2: it's just a mystery that we can't comprehend. Right.
0: Yeah. But he now is saying, we don't need to decide whether Yahweh is is a real thing or that he's not a real
2: thing.
1: Yeah.
0: What we need to ask ourselves is what 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 does Yahweh mean, right? Let's psychoanalyze Yahweh. Yeah. And see what's going on there and why uh this myth exists and what this myth means. Yeah, right? And it strikes me as being very Greek in that sense because a lot of the Greek playwrights and philosophers had this relationship with their theology. Especially, this comes out a lot if you've ever read uh, The Trial of Socrates. Have you ever read that? Yeah. It's fantastic. The ancient Greeks seemed to have this notion of their theology as being something that was simultaneously an art that was contrived and something that was living.
1: Mm Mm-hmm
0: simultaneously (laughs) yeah. which I thought is really interesting and I think that that is that is basically Jung's conception of the divine right is that it comes out of our imaginal world but that is in fact you know what he said that I can't remember which book but he said that it comes out of the imaginal world doesn't mean it's false right that's exactly right dreams are dreams are real (laughs) yeah they're real experiences yeah yeah, and I was always fascinated by, and I think that might have been the first time I encountered it was in uh, the trial of Socrates, where Socrates has this understanding of God that is so novel. He looks at the mythology as uh, something you don't have to you don't have to take a position on whether it's real or not. Well,
2: I think that mm-hmm. that's I mean that's sort of a Greek that's sort of a Greek idea at that time, and they you know. Ancient peoples, it's very hard for contemporary people to try to understand how ancient peoples viewed ideas that we are the inheritors of. Yeah. They're, they're... I mean, one thing that Western people have a hard time with is the fact that ancient peoples were generally non-exclusive about their religious beliefs. Mm-hmm. Like, they believed a large...
0: Host of host different Host of different ideas. That might be conflictual.
2: Yeah, That that... And it wasn't a big deal to them that they had these gods and those gods and these gods and these gods.
0: Yeah, yeah. and you have, you have that kind of thing very evident, and this is maybe a fundamental theological difference between Jews and Christians, or at least again Western contemporary Christians and Jews the world over, is that Jews are still in that mode of being able to understand, for example, the Old Testament or their Bible, as being this dialogue that is hypothetical in many ways. Yeah. Right. Whereas Christians have to go, they have to go into uh, a host of defense mechanisms to deal with conflicts in, you know, different tellings of a particular story. Yeah. That exist in the Bible. You have to go into ways of explaining things.
2: So yeah, like Christians are, think that if they don't have faith, that there's something wrong with them as Christians, mm-hmm. like if they aren't in this place of grace, that there's something wrong with them. Yeah. And Judaism, the word Israel means wrestles with God. Yeah. And the struggle is, and the the dialogue is is the experience of it. Mm-hmm. And the doubt, uh, the you know the Danish philosopher Soren Kierkegaard talks a lot about this, but. Doubt is the is the sweep of faith. You have to have doubt in order to have faith.
1: Mm-hmm. And
2: they're Absolutely. intimately connected. And because you doubt doesn't mean that, you're, that there's something wrong with you. When did you make this decision? When you were sitting there eating that muffin? Well, yeah. I was sitting there eating my muffin and drinking my
0: coffee and replaying the incident in my head when I had what alcoholics refer to as a moment of clarity. To be continued.
1: to hell where they have and beer, better than they do up here.
0: well folks it's been real thanks for dropping in on some conversation with my old friend Ryan myself and my wife Sunray. you can catch up on any show notes and references at blog.fazoro.com that's blog.foxtrotalpha alpha igloo zulu oscar roger Ryan and I are hoping to leave a comment there. See you next time.